All right, everybody, welcome back to Here for the Truth. This is side chat number 10. Today, we have Pete Maglio joining us. He's a former VP of a Chicago boutique advertising specialties agency turned startup founder. A spiritual experience shattered his previously held notions of reality, awakening a great inner knowing and launching him on a journey of discovery. Over the following seven years, he witnessed a radical evolution of his perception. This steady increase in awareness unveiled the inherent symbolism conveyed by the visual design of our letters, freeing his mind from the distortion created by phonetics and uncovering the perceived truth of the words we speak. According to Pete, learning to recognize and interpret symbols is the key to discerning truth from falsity, a skill that he believes is much needed in our modern age. I could not agree more. Pete, thanks for being here with us today, man. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Just quickly, this is our side chat. It's a bit more of a free flow, bit of a shorter format kind of conversation. But as succinctly as you could, like, how did you come into this kind of world? Yeah. So I think all of us who are you know, active on our journey, per se, I think can look back at previous occurrences and realize that we've been on this the entire time. You know, whether it was a childhood decision that was made or, or whatnot, you can see like, okay, I was clearly something was in me kind of guiding me along that path. Red drums. Um, but as far as the actual, you know, activation or triggering moment per se, when I left the company that I was with to, to found a startup, and it was a technology startup that was, you know, meant to innovate on the space that I was in. And the space that I was in, advertising specialties is promotional products. So, you know, every once in a while I see you hold up your mug with your for the truth. I'm like, yep. You know, that that's the kind of stuff that we did. Did the hats? Yep, exactly. Um, and so my role within the company was to create online solutions. So the whole technology arm. And eventually I hit a wall with the company I was with and said, let me, let me do this you know, myself. Anyway, in doing so, I'm the type of person that wants to be the best founder and CEO I could possibly be. And so I was adamant to, to acquire as much knowledge and, and resources as, as I could. And I would go to all of these events. I would buy every book that was recommended. And as I was on that journey, I started to come across all of these supposed geniuses in our history, all of these polymaths, all these auto- autodidacts, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, Tesla, um, you know, Pythagoras. And initially, I was just you know, curious as to you know, what did they do to increase their knowledge? But eventually, I hit a point where every one of them, without a doubt, got into what we would consider the occult, the esoteric. And initially, I brushed it off. I'm like, what is this? You know, maybe they just didn't know what we know now. You know, we're smarter here in the, in the modern age. But it kept showing up. And so I started to give it more attention. And the more I, di- I dove into it, the more unreal it became, the more curious I became. And before I knew it, I was just engr- engrossed in all this, you know, craziness, what we perceive as craziness to the modern person, the modern mind. And I, I started to research, I started to order all of these books that were, you know, the Corpus Hermeticum, the Kabbalion, you know, got into all of these various things that were in the realm of the occult. And my mind was shattered. Um, I started to make all these micro changes in my life. You know, I was uh, a football player in college, you know, always an athlete, uh, you know, felt like I needed to consume, you know, meats and, and everything else to get big. But I started to make micro adjustments. I went to, you know, plant-based diet. Initially, I was vegetarian, then went fully vegan. I started to move away from powerlifting into more, you know, calisthenics and yoga. And I can't pinpoint one, you know, exactly as that was the trigger, but through the ensemble of all of these various micro changes and, and, you know, starting a meditation practice, 
I had an, an awakening experience. You know, some that people would call like samadhi or, you know, the nirvana moment where I was in a meditation. I was practicing the, um, you know, not only the breath techniques, but um, the, the different chakras, focusing on the, you know, the chakras and the kundalini and trying to rise that up. And b- before I knew it, I had this like, you know, surge of energy go up my spine, this incredible brightness in my mind. And it was, the only way I can explain it, it was like the most intense, welcoming love. Mm-hmm. Like I was being hugged by spirit. Mm-hmm. And I started crying and laughing. And when I came out of that, different. I was different. It was like the veil was lifted. I started to view everything with new eyes. Everything, the colors were brighter. You know, everything was more magical and wondrous. And, you know, people that were around me were like, what is going on with you? And I couldn't explain it. I was just like, I don't want to tell you. And, you know, eventually from a startup perspective, I was so disengaged. I just, I couldn't focus on that anymore. It didn't seem relevant. Like, what's the, what's the point of doing that? Like, and I, I just started to, you know, get my hands on any spiritual book I could, you know, any spiritual teachers I started to tune into, just accumulating, again, knowledge. I wanted to, to learn as much as I could. And eventually I just dismantled that. You know, I, I left it all. And thank goodness for my wife. You know, before, that's why I married her. Because I'm like, if you can be with me when I went from a corporate executive to a startup founder to then a spiritual seeker, you know, if you're in for the long haul. Um, but during the time, you know, thankfully she had a good enough job to support the majority of the finances. And so I wasn't burdened with any of the day-to-day grind. I focused all of my attention on spiritual seeking. And I think that's the reason why, you know, some will come across like, your mind is just in such a different place. And I think I was able to progress so steadily because I wasn't distracted. And my mind just kept expanding and expanding. And to pinpoint you know, going from, you know, that initial awakening to what I'm doing now. I, I really look at books like The Esoteric Structure of the Alphabet by Alvin Boyd Kuhn, um, Rene Schwaller de Lubitz, Symbol and the Symbolic, uh, The Study of Numbers by Rene Schwaller de Lubitz, um, The Esoteric Science uh, of Numbers, or The Secret Science of Numerology, rather, by Shirley Blackwell Lawrence. They all started to get me to, to look at these things differently. And it was really Rene Schwaller de Lubitz. And you know, he was an Egyptologist, his wife, uh, Isha also. And she has f- some phenomenal books. But they started to, to look at you know, all of these, these, what we perceive as ancient languages were pictographic. Why? You know, why did they use that form to communicate? And when I started to look at that and then look, you know, look at what, how we communicate in the modern age through phonetics, you know, we're taught a certain symbol or a certain, you know, design rather, associating with a letter, and that letter sounds like this. And we, uh, we you know, use this ensemble of letters to create words, you know, sentences, communicate. In the ancient times, they just had these, these pictures, these pictographs, these glyphs. And what it came down to is one's dynamic and one's static. You know, glyphs, why they're so important is because based upon where you are from a level of consciousness standpoint, you're going to interpret different things. You know, that's what makes a symbol a symbol. It's all encompassing and it has so much to offer based upon what angle you're perceiving it. Whereas our modern language and phonetics are static. We're taught one thing and that's it. And that's dangerous because, you know, when we're a child and we're looking, you know, out in nature and we go and explore, we're just taking it all in and it's, it's fresh state, if you will. 
But then we're taught that that's that. You know, that's a tree. You know, that's a flower. That's a butterfly. And in doing so, what we're, we're programming the mind to create all of these categories. And before we know, we no, we no longer look at things with fresh eyes. We look at things through the lens of our programming. And, you know, that's what's taken us from this higher state of being for the collective into this lower state of materialization. And the ancients knew all about the cyclical nature of time. You know, time is not linear. We go through ebbs and flows of consciousness as a collective. And in the age of, you know, full expansion and, and understanding of both the feminine and masculine aspects of our being, this is what the, the Hindus would call the Satya Yuga. This is the golden age. And when we condense and we become you know, so, so separated and so materialized and so lost in the illusion, this is the Iron Age, the Kali Yuga. This is modernity. And you know, bringing it full circle, you know, no pun intended, to, to the now moment that we're experiencing, to me, we're, we're on the cusp of the Bronze Age. You know, the bottom of the circle, we're heading upward. You know, we're, we're starting to expand our consciousness. And, it, and it's initially a few of us. And then we share our, our, our thoughts and a few others you know, start to look things, at things differently. And we start to detether or untether from that collective thought forms that become so prevalent during modernity. I was listening to your podcast with, with Michael Tessarian and, you know, he dives into, you know, the difference between sign and symbol and whatnot. And then a lot of what he shares, I, I, you know, resonates. I don't, I don't have the, the agitation, you know, the disdain for, for things that he does, that he seems to carry and express when he, when he shares his thoughts. I think we're, it's, everything's purposeful. And, you know, all of the, you know, those that we are, encounter in our lives that might not be looking at things like we are, you know, we were there at one point. You know, we, we, you know, we had our, our head in, in the dirt, so to speak, and, and weren't aware of some of these things. And so it's just, they just require a moment within their own experience to trigger them. And, you know, maybe it comes within this incarnation, maybe it comes in another. I don't know. But it's, it's like freeing ourselves from judgment. And, in, you know, it's like recognizing, again, our own role within our, our creation of our own reality. You know, we co-create the, the greater experience but we also influence our direct experience. And it's based upon the programs that we've allowed to, you know, be embedded within our, our mind. You know, that's how our reality expresses. And so it's like, be very you know, cognizant of where you're giving your attention, where you're giving your focus. You know, I think we're all aware of that, that you know, idiom of where energy goes, uh, where attention goes, energy flows, right? It's, it's the truth. It's, and we see it over and over again if, if, if you have the lens to perceive it. You can see that I was just thinking about that and then it showed up. You know, a good example in my own, and I laugh about these things all the time because it's like pointing them out. And for me, it's an opportunity to share with, you know, my wife or my brothers and sisters. Like, you know, I was, you know, we were talking about these things and then sure enough, it shows up in my life. And I was playing cribbage against my mother and she nearly skunked me. And so we were talking about skunks. And then I went to watch the basketball, the Celtics game with my brother and they got smoked in game seven. And I'm like, you know, they're, they stunk it up. And this, this theme during the course of the day was all about skunks and stinking. And I, I come driving home that evening and sure enough, there's a skunk going across my driveway. And I hadn't seen a skunk the entire time we've lived here. Now that's only been a year, but regardless, yeah. it was like to hear what we were talking about it and it shows up. And it's like, a, it's a small little thing and people can you know, say that's, oh, that's coincidence. It's not. 
Um, I want to I want to point something out there. First of all, I totally agree with your saying, and I, I love everything that you're sharing, even the names that you brought up, some brilliant scholars from the past. Um, but like I remember as a kid, man, like I'd be I'd be scrolling through the TV and then like I'd have the thought of a movie and I'd press the next button and then I the movie would be on. Like sure. that shit would happen all the time. I'd have a dream about someone. And then I'd wake up to an email from them. And I just find all that stuff fascinating and interesting uh, in that regard. The other thing, too, I want to say in terms of what you were saying that, like, oh, we were talking about something and then I saw it. Like, this is where sometimes I go, is it because, like, it was in your consciousness that you actually saw it as opposed to, like, let's say you're 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 driving and someone's talking about, like, uh, someone tells you about a certain kind of car like a, a red Plymouth. I'm just using mm-hmm. an example. You're driving, you start seeing it everywhere. But maybe, was it maybe always there? But then just because it was in your consciousness, you observed it. This is where sometimes I'm I'm like curious how that plays out. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where, have you ever seen those those pictures where you can put on different color lenses and it will show different things that were hidden to you prior? Mm-hmm. That's our, rea- that's, actually, this is a good good segue. Truth. All right. So when I look at the word truth, the T, let's see, let me see how I can do this. So if we think of a circle, right, and you cut that circle in half horizontally, the, the above half is what we consider the collective mental plane, and the below half is the collective, collective material plane, right? And yeah. so if, and we incarnate, that's the, that's the capital I, that's the number one, you know, it, this is incarnation into the material plane. And so if you have that horizontal line within you know, the bottom half of the incarnation, that's the capital T, that is the game. That's the experience that we're having in physicality. Now we as a human, you know, we have dominion. What does that mean? That means that our minds are what drives this experience. And so we poke through the veil. That's the lowercase t. So that when I refer, you know, refer to a T, I say vessel or game, because it depends on how it's playing with the other letters. But the T is vessel or game, right? The R is reflection. The U is the collective. Then again, T, vessel or game, and the H is soul. I refer to it as, you know, I used to refer to it as both, you know, individual and collective, but I've now recognized that the soul is only the collective. Like it's like the soul is like the this music that's being played and we're an individual note of that music. And so looking at truth, vessel or game, reflect, collective, vessel or game, soul. To me, truth is the physical experience initially expressed without our interaction. As soon as we interact with it as an individuated node of consciousness, we create falsity. And falsity, F is frequency, A is temporal, L is consciousness. So F-A-L, we'll see that in a lot of words. It's frequency, temporal, consciousness. This is the, the thoughts of your lower mind. And then S is vibration, I is incarnate, T, vessel or game, and the Y is rendering. And the Y is rendering. You see the feminine masculine aspect come join and render. So falsity, frequency, temporal consciousness, vessel or game incarnate, vessel or game render. It is those interactions. When we interact with something, it is now going to express according to our own programming and therefore creating a falsities. And so there's nothing good or bad about any of these things. It's, it's recognizing what these words are in these, these symbols we're communicating because it's trying to teach us how this, this experience renders in our involvement in it. Real quickly, how do you get soul from H? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> I'm still, I'm just trying to go back a little bit because 
like it's fascinating all this yep. but like how do you, like i can understand like the t and some of the other stuff and i've heard you speak uh, outside of this podcast some other letters that make sense in terms of their symbols but like i'm just trying to figure out where soul comes from h sure so if you think of the you know circle with a cross in it it's also yeah. known as a sun cross the vertical line is dimensionality and the the horizontal line is temporal so you have that that dimensionality which we also know again with it's just a single line incarnation. And when we're talking about the loop coming down, you know, you, typically it's, it's actually showing you the bars on each side, because if I have two bars on one side and I show one in the middle, how else can I convey the fact that we're talking about that horizontal line? You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. when, and when we rotate that, what do we have? A capital I we, we've all, all seen a capital I with bars. At the, at the uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because again, showing you the d- dimensionality and when that dimensionality is now flipped into the temporal plane, it, it's it's becoming soul. It's it's now expressing. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> I'd probably need to do a deeper dive, but hey, sure. Man, like, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, about yeah, it yeah. really confidently, so I'm like, that <laughs> seems to make sense. Well, and, and I, this is actually a good an opportunity to to give the disclaimer. I'm not one that ever claims what I do is the de facto, you know, no pun intended, truth. I have found a way, or I should say, the higher aspect of myself. You know, again, we're all individual fractalizations of the one self. We're all flesh of the one self. And I can, I, you know, actually, I'll share that with you in, in a few minutes, which is really interesting when you look at the word flesh versus self. But we're all flesh of the one self, right? I have found through my awakening process an opportunity for my higher aspect to communicate to me and to continue to teach me. This is my method. And it's like, you know, anyone that is in uh, computer, computer programming understands that there's a, there's a million different languages out there. And you can use multiple languages to write the same type of application. One, you know, might work a little bit better than the other, or might be easier to program than than the other, but the other can still do it. And so you'll have a ton of people in the truth community that, you know, go about language, go about anything in their own way. And it's just, we have to be careful not to say like, mine is the way, you know, I have the truth. You know, it's, it's just, this is my, this is my way. This is the way that I've been teaching myself through meditation, through dreams. I mean, I wake up from dreams and I'm constantly writing things down. I mean, I have an ongoing digital journal in my phone that and I've now made, uh, I made the mistake early on not to have it backed up, but it does now because I lost a whole section, which it's like, dang it. Because um, you never know when this inspiration you know, hits you. Mm. And half the time, I don't even know what I'm talking about when I write these things down. I'm like, what is it? I just, just came through my mind. I have to write it down. And then months later, I'll look back at it and be like, this makes sense now. Now I understand what I was trying to communicate. But it takes a while for our lower mind, for our incarnated experience, you know, the character to understand what the player was trying to teach us. Does that make sense? Yeah, man, it does. So earlier you said that the moment that we inter- interact with something that's existing that you would call truth, it then becomes falsity. But then so how does truth come to be discovered? Because doesn't it first have to become conscious in order for it to be recognized as truth? Yeah, so I think that's the difference between the conscious and the subconscious. You know, the, the subconscious to me is just, it's the collective memory. And it, it's like, it's the full, it's like having access to that full mental plane, that, that top half of the circle. And when you can ac- access that, some people call it the Akashic record. The things when they inject in our memory are, are done through, vi- like they're visually imprinted. You know, you can think back and you can, you can visualize sound in your mind, if you will. You can think of a melody, but it's still, it's all mental. And so 
sound in the way that we know sound and the way, way the modern vernacular for the for sound, you know, through our hearing, that's a physical expression. That's the invisible being made visible, mm-hmm. so to speak. And the the subconscious, everything's imprinted in 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 a a very organized fashion in the collective memory. And this is why whenever those those that have an experience often will see, you know, very organized depictions, a lot, a lot of sacred geometry. It's it's a visual representation. And I think what helped me along my path, going back to the idea of of glyphs versus letters or symbols versus letters. When I started to change my perspective on anything, everything rather, I started to look at things through the design and I started to create new designs for myself. And I think it was my attention to all of these different, you know, designs that helped unlock some of these doors that were, you know, previously unaccessed within my own mind. You know, and this is the, the, the idea of, you know, those that fire together, wire together from a synapse standpoint. And this is the merging of hemispheres as well. You know, you, you think of, left hemisphere associated with audio and, and, you know, associated with phonetics and the right hemisphere is visual. And so when you start to to change your mind, you start to change how the reality expresses. It's like change your mind, change the matter. Everything starts to express differently. And you, you know, you see that this blending of the two, the merging of the hemispheres, you start to be able to take things on from a right, the visual standpoint and then use the, the, the thinking, the, the analytical aspect of the left hemisphere to, to glean insights. And so both are necessary in, in that process. But we've become so dominant and left in this modern age. Can you give some other examples um, of just like certain words that like everyone would know um, and how they play out? Like whether it's like media or news or like just nothing like like a long word, but maybe like a short <laughs> word that's in like the collective, like in the collective sure. out there that we're seeing all the time. And yeah, so a great one. Well, you just mentioned news. N is the normalizer. It's the up and down arrow. It's bringing balance. When you think of it in terms of physicality, it, it's it's you're normalizing to the game. You're normalizing to the physical experience. E is energy. In the lowercase e, you know, if you see again, think of that circle with the horizontal line. One shows you a, a, a tail pulling, pulling down. And in the lowercase a, the inversion is a tail going up, but it's, you know, it's showing you like where it's dominating. And so lowercase e is, is you know, energy, but it's usually associated with mental energy. Lowercase a is energy as well, but it's usually temporal or, or material energy. And so go back to the new, not news, normalize energy, mental energy, wave. Wave is the ripple of energy in, you know, coming into our, our experience. This is the new addition of our experience being implemented. And then S is vibration. It's the sine wave as above, so below, right? It's, it's, you know, when we're, we know that we're experiencing the physicality when we have a heartbeat, when there's, there's action there, it's, it's, it's a ripple. And so news, why news is so powerful is because it's normalizing, normalized energy wave vibration. It's, normalizing the consciousness of those experiencing the game. The more people that tune into the news, the more they're accepting those ideas and perceptions about our reality, therefore adopting them as their own, strengthening that expression in our, in our reality. You know, that's when we look at the various things, when it, whether it's, you know, illness, tragedies, whatever it might ha- you know, whatever, what, what, what have you in our reality. We often hear this idea of, of the, you know, invisible rainbow, right? The electrification of our, our, Reality is what caused all of these negative expressions from a physical standpoint. I think there's some truth to that. 
I think anytime you're exposed to a, a new electric magnetic field, it's going to cause a destabilization in your own field. But how your body expresses is going to be dependent on how you perceive that experience. And also what programs you've allowed to imbue within your own mind. But really what was more powerful was what, is, what did that electrification enable? It enabled mass global communication. And so when you started with the radio and then visual, visuals are more impactful than sound. And so when people could start to see things in their reality as supposedly happening and accepting them as truths, they would inadvertently call those back into their experience. And this is what's you know, so important. To, it's like you can recognize things occurring, but to give it energy and to accept it as a, as a part of your reality is to say, I, I want to have that. I accept that as part of my game and inadvertently are calling more of those experiences, which is why there's never just one occurrence. There's usually a ripple because people keep talking about it. You see it depicted in dramas or movies. And then what happens? Another occurrence, another occurrence, another occurrence until we stop talking about it. And then it ripples away. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. It's, it's definitely fascinating. Um, I think the most important word that we need to analyze right now is Joel. What is Joel? What is Joel's name? <laughs> I just need to know because then I need to use this against him for the rest of our relationship. So let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, Joel, I did break down your name. Um, Jay's journey, right? So if you're incarnated and then you're starting your, your, your trajectory back, that's, you know, you're starting your journey, right? O is full or complete. O is looking at the entirety. E is energy of men, men, usually associated with mental energy and L is consciousness. So the L, E-L is energy consciousness, which is why we, you know, it's always associated with angels. The Elohim is the energy of consciousness. Journey full energy of consciousness. The way I've been, you know, and again, this is, it's definitely worth, you know, sitting with and contemplating more. But the way I interpret that is that it is a subtle energy that gives you access to the entirety of the experience. So to me, it would, it would lend itself to you being very aware uh, of what's going on in, in your, not only your own experience, but the experience of others. And when you add your last name, which is really interesting, but both of you have Ra, because Ra is the projector. R-A, reflect temporal. It's usually associated with the sun because the sun projects our reality into our experience. And the moon normalizes our, our, our vibrational energy to render the next experience. And so Ra... And then FI, frequency incarnate, DI, ID, you know, you're holding, you know, you have your driver's license, your ID is dimension incarnate. Dimension is the perspective from in-game. And so project frequency incarnate, dimension incarnate. To me, that, that would lend itself to you being probably very confident, very forthright with expressing how you, what you feel and think. Um, and so Joel, repeated together, says that you're probably very aware of what's going on around you and you're, you're not too shy about speaking it. And, and again, these are subtle energies. Mm. You know, there's so much things that come into play. You guys obviously know human design, mm-hmm. whether it's human design, gene keys, whether it's the Enneagram, um, you know, Myers-Briggs, you know, predictive index. There's so many different avenues and modalities of identifying different aspects of our being. None of them define us. Yeah. And the more you do the inner work, the more you tap into who you, who you are outside of this experience, the more freedom you have, per, you know, per se, to escape some of those those boundaries. Cool, man. That, that, that name breakdown is the clip right there. Post that everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Your journey of it. angels. Journey of angels, Joel. Yeah. But I like love it, man. Would... What, what do you think is the relationship between an individual and their name? Like, do you think it's chosen? 
you know, like as, 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 as a precursor, like how does that actually impact one's life? What's the importance of it? You know, I, I some people hate their name. Like what is that? Sure. What kind of level of impact does that have? Well, think about what that would do to your own experience. If you have that much tension with how, what you're being labeled, I mean, that kind of tension and frustration is going to be echoed in all of the things that you experience. Yeah. And so that person yeah. probably has a lot of trauma or perceived trauma or, or events within their lives that, that, you know, echo the tension that just their name gives them. And this is also why, you know, somebody that goes through a name change might start to, you know, ex- express in a way that they hadn't before. They might start to emulate different behaviors. You know, so, uh, you know, if somebody gets married and the wife takes on a new name and you can start to see a little behavioral shift. They're just, again, they're subtle energies that you might not be fully aware of, but then once you, you know, again, have the lens to perceive them, you start to recognize like, okay, there's, there's, there's a little nudges in a certain direction that I wasn't aware of before. Yeah. It's so interesting, man. Well, first of all, everything we're talking about just brings up that great quote for, uh, for me from uh, Manly Hall. It's like when, what is it? When the human race learns to read the language of symbolism, uh, the great veil will fall from the eyes of men. And, and it's so powerful. Uh, and also just in terms of the name thing, I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out. We're here for the truth. Not everyone knows. Um, but I, you know, I grew up with a different name. I went by my Americanized name, but my Greek given name is Yerasimos, is Yerasimos. So my parents would call me, et cetera. But my, but the Americanized version of that is Jerry. So I went by Jerry for, Hmm. for, you know, a good portion, most of my life until, you know, I felt a deep, deep connection to my lineage and, and, um, you know, the person I was named after was named after the patron saint of the island of Catalonia, which is where my father was born and raised on in Greece. And he was known as the healer and protector of the island. So I, as I was getting more into like doing my, my healing work before I was doing, you know, my work with Joel, you know, I just felt connected to that. I didn't feel like super connected to Jerry. So I'm even curious, like, what does Jerry represent? Geriatric. <laughs> is it a G or J? J, J-E-R-R-Y. Okay, interesting. So journey, like I told you, the initial J is referencing journey. And you'll have a lot of people that come from the, the tra- you know, I should say traditional, because tra- traditional actually means something else. But the, the modern sch- scholastic approach to language will tell you that J didn't exist and have the languages, yada, yada, what, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, again, everything, every symbol that shows itself in our reality is purposeful. This is, uh, this is, you know, again, we're all individuations of the one mind. And so the one mind is trying to express in our reality and will use us as conduits to do so which is why you might have an artist or a creative that, you know, creates something and somebody that has a lens to see, will see all the symbolism embedded within it. But the artist was like, I never, I didn't mean to do that. Well, of course you didn't. If you're not aware, but you were inspired, you had that momentary connecting connection to something outside of yourself. And then you, you, it, you know, you were used as a conduit to express. Anyway, going back to the, the J, J is journey, E is en- energy, usually mental energy. The double R is an interesting one. I've been, Usually when you have letter pairings that show up over and over and over again, they're, they're, they're showing you a little bit of a nuance. And so the R is return. I've come to look at the, the double R and, and yeah, I've been working on a book for quite a while. And in it, I, I give different degrees of confidence, if, if, if you will, on certain pairings. I'm not, I'm not as confident in the double R as I am some of the other things. Like RA, like RA is projection. I'm super confident in that. The, R, the double R, I think, is referring to resistance. Hmm. And it's very interesting when you look at resistance again from an um, electrical standpoint. But resistance, and again, the why is rendering. And so journey, mental energy, resist rendering. To me, that would lend itself to you having some resistance. Interesting. To, to, to your experience, to what have you. And that actually is interesting that you changed your name. 
Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's interesting. And I was curious, not everyone obviously knows that about me, especially people that have met me in the last, like, you know, maybe 10 years. Um, but anyways, I'm not trying to give you like a test on, on our name, on everyone, on every name or word, but I just thought it was curious just to see, uh, in this context. Well, I'm constantly, you know, teaching myself there. I mean, I've broken down a lot of words. I mean, if you go through my journal, there's a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of stuff that I've, you can see the progression. And if you look at my, like, you know, the first journal entry and then, you know, journal entry one you know, 100 or whatever else. And I broken down the same word. You'll see a shift in, in what my, my understanding. Um, but I'm always breaking down things, always, you know, coming to new, you know, awareness and, and new insights. And, and that's what's so you know, great about being on this journey is that, you know, most people are living such a static routine life, you know, and that's, you know, kind of by, by design, it, it lowers you into that repetitive state. Repetition, you know, locks you into a subconscious way of being. And, you know, this is the idea of connection between repetition and reptiles. People talk about the reptilians. It's just repetition. You know, you do th- something over and over again it's going to become quote unquote second nature. And you can use that to your advantage. You know, things that, you know, you want to you know, do efficiently, do over, you don't even have to think about it, which is then you can focus your conscious mind on something else. Again, we've all experienced this. You know, this idea of multitasking is a misnomer. It's, it's microtasking. You do a little of this, a little of that. True multitasking only exists when your subconscious is doing one thing and your conscious mind is doing another. Most of us have had that experience through driving. Mm-hmm. Half the time, we'll, if we drive the same route to, to work or wherever we go, we'll, you know, we'll get there and be like, how did I even get here? Did I stop at that yeah. stoplight? Well, you know, you, you're not paying conscious attention to what you're doing because that allows you to pay attention to the podcast you're listening to. You know, start doing some, you know, other things within your mind, having a conversation. And, and so it's really, really interesting. You know, again, nothing's inherently bad. There's, there's so many people that are in such a fight against everything expressing our reality. They want to you know, push blame to to, you know, they, or, or this or that, or, you know, these, these, you can't use that because that's negative and nothing is, 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 you know, inherently good or bad. It's just whether or not you're anchored in a material, you know, character mode, or you've allowed yourself the, the recognition of the spiritual side of yourself, you know, that which is outside of this experience. Because when you, you understand the two aspects of your being, and then you unify them, that's when you're, you're consciously engaged with this physical you know, illusion, if you will. And that's where the magic happens. So if I continue to say good morning instead of grand rising, will I have horrible days? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like good, right? G is, is to me a spirit. It's, it's referencing, and spirit is just the energy that renders within our reality. It's the energy that follows along the ripple of the eight. The eight showing you that feedback loop. You know, above is counterclockwise and below is, is clockwise. Why is above counterclockwise? Because I think about when something in, comes into your mind, you're reflecting on it. You're thinking back. And when you're experiencing the reality, you're, you're going forward. And so there's that constant shift. The three shows us one, you know, one of those sides. And so, you know, the three showing you, you know, it, and that's why the, the double three, 33 is so evil. Three is just showing you the two halves of the, of the, um, the eight. When you invert one of them, it, it's, just, it, it's just communicating things to us. And nothing more. But going back to good, you know, spirit, the double O is creation. It's like when you have two holes, it, it is showing you, a, you know, a doubling. It's showing you something that's been created. And the D is dimension. Again, lower perception. Spirit create dimension. Spirit is influencing the way you perceive your reality. I would say that's good. Now, what's bad? Being temporal dimension. When your being is so locked into that temporal perspective, the in character mode, probably perceive that as bad 
And so that's all they're communicating to you. One is, is an awareness of something outside of yourself and, and allowing for that to influence you. And the other is being so locked into this illusion and not knowing anything outside of this, being a materialist, a nihilist. Yeah, real quickly, just because we're playing like word games and stuff, like you were saying nothing's inherently good or bad, but then you were explaining the word good and saying that that's good. So then, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like what? It's, I think that's why we have that. Like, what I've come to know is there's a reason why certain things are perceived as beneficial and certain things are perceived as you know, dangerous, right? In our modern age. But it's like, get us, get us out of this modern way of being. And then we just recognize that one's just talking about you, you in character. One's talking about, you know, and, and, and driving and letting your character drive your experience. And one's saying, hey, if you just ease up the reins, you know, allow for, for spirit to, to kind of push you in, into, into the direction you're meant to be going. Yeah, you know, I just think, I, well, I think my only thing is, I think a lot of people say, you hear it often, nothing's good or bad, nothing's, nothing's good or evil. But then it's like, if you just see someone murder a baby or a kid, like, I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't just be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, nothing's good or bad. This is just like, it feels a little like bypassing reality or, 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 you know, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels different. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not evolved enough, you know, but I'm just curious how language and how we play around with this. Because it feels a little spiritually bypassy to me. Yeah, well, I hear that that tossed around a lot, and I, I don't, I don't condone this idea of spiritual bypassing. I don't even know what, really what that means. I know what people say it means, but to answer your question, I think it would be first important to recognize why did that experience come into your to your experience? You know, like what what have you given attention to? Where has your mind been at to see that expressed in your reality? You know, are you watching movies about, you know, criminals all the time? Are, are, are you always worried about things? You know, that's the idea of worry. Worry is going to call those things into your experience. You know, that's the idea of being prepared. You're preparing masculine and feminine energy to render. You know, P is perception. It's usually perception outside of the game. Reflect energy. Perceive reflected energy. Then P again, perceive air, temporal incarnate reflection. You're, you're preparing or prepare, that's, or, or A-R-E temporal reflected energy there you're you're presupposing these things to exist in your reality you're calling them forth and so i think that if we all learned to recognize and start to audit our thoughts and, and you know you allow the energy to come in and then express you know allow it to vent and, and carry forth but focus your attention and energy on that which you want to see perceive or what that which you want to see expressed in your reality right then you won't see some of those occurrences that you know would aren't beneficial being expressed as often. And so it's, I'm not one to say like, do I want those things to occur? Of course not. But I recognize the driving force behind all of this. Again, this goes back into, I don't know if you were still you know, participating in the men's group when I said this, but when we recognize that the experience that we're having right now is yesterday's thoughts. And so it's like, that which is matter was yesterday's mind. You know, that, the, the thoughts become the things. And so it's like, when we start to, to increase our awareness, we start to see how that, that rendering engine operates. And therefore, we can start to, to pre-organize our thoughts to render in a way that is according to that which we want to see. And not allowing our mind just to be carried by all of the things we're you know, interacting with. You know, and that goes into the idea of wars and fights. You're not going to engage in a war or a fight if you don't accept those things as truths. 
you know, by doing so, what you're actually doing is saying, I, I believe in those things. I accept those things as a, an expression in my reality. And in doing so, I'm calling more of those experiences to me, which is why you always see an increase of that which people are fighting or warring against. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree to a certain extent, especially like how I've shifted, you know, even in the last few years, like in the beginning of 2020, I was much more like combative, you know, and I felt like I needed to convince everyone and and talk more shit or whatever the case may be. And and that's just not part of as much part of my mental thinking anymore. And so things have shifted even around me just because of that. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I get that element of it. So to take so, your example again, so would you be prepared or willing to lay any essence of blame or guilt upon a mother whose child is randomly murdered for thinking some things or for thinking for, or for watching a movie? No, because I'm not going to give my attention to somebody else's experience. I think that's where we isn't, isn't, isn't this isn't this explanation doing that? What are you saying that like, like 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 for example, if we were to if we were to ponder or contemplate around why such a horrible thing would happen, aren't we, aren't we in essence through this conversation applying you sure. know a, smid, a smidgen of that guilt upon what she could have or might have been thinking? Sure. And, and, you know, my first tendency would be to break down those words, right? Guilt and blame. Mm. Being, be lame. Being, you know, conscious temporal mental energy. You know, to, to even have that thought is, is, is showing that you're, you're still in the character. You know, you're still, in, you're still a part of that, you know, this earthly experience. And, and therefore, you're applying that, that perspective to the event in the expression as you see it. You know, guilt, spirit, collective, incarnate what do you, what consciousness. Do you mean by, what do you mean by character? Like I am in this flesh, or I'm in this body, I'm having this earthly experience, right? Yes. Yep. So, like, yeah. So why, Joe why, Murphy, why is this necessarily an, an illusion? Because this is just one aspect of you. There's, in the way that I've come to, to look at our experience is that there's many touch points of myself across what we would perceive as past and future. Everything happening simultaneously. And, you know, one ripple in one, in one incarnation is going to ripple in, in effect both forward and backward. You know, when we, when we drop a, 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 you know, a teardrop or you know, water drop into a still pond, what happens? It ripples from center point and then outward. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at, at well, do I have the opportunity to share? Can I screen share? Sure. Yeah, sure. One, one sec. There you go. All right. This is probably going to be. <laughs> a little much, but I just want to show you something. So this initial design, the three, four, five, and six, this is a rendering engine of our reality. This is the nine. The nine is that, that, that drop that hits the, the, the pond rippling outward. It begins with the separation into three, four, five, six. Three is creation. Four is formation. Five is materialization and six is sensation. So when we create, this is a counterclockwise above. We create, and through that creation, this first idea, we then formulate that idea. We create a blueprint. Four is associated with that blueprint. And when that blueprint renders into our reality, it renders four to five, which is why it's really interesting, 45 degree angle in, within the heart. What, you, know, you look at the people that are very into ge- geometry and different angles, the 45 comes up over and over again. I look at the qualitative aspect of numbers, much like I do letters, as opposed to the quantitative use. But I think the quantitative use has something to teach us as well, which I'll show you. Formation, materialization. This is now something expressing in our reality. And once we interact with that expression, it creates sensation. And that's six. 
and then we integrate it. We integrate, it goes back up, back into the nine, and then spits out again. Now, once we've gone through this, this cycle once, we now know there's a three, four above, and those unify into a seven. Seventh heaven. This is the, this is the head. Seven is dealing with evolution. This is when you go through, like if you're practicing something, the more times you practice it, the more evolved you are going to get at doing it. You're learning. So seven's associated with like learning. We see now the three and the five. That's showing you the feedback loop of the eight. We see the five and the six. That's showing you mastering the physical experience in the 11. If these reduce down to a root number, it's a two. Two is the reflection, showing you the earthly experience. The six and the four is showing you the return of the 10. And that's the return of oneness and then the wholeness, which goes back into the nine. And so as you start to play these out, you start to see what's really interesting about this. I started to play these all out. And if you look at, let me show you the grid. They all end up in the corners. And there's other numbers that are hidden from us. And so to me, it's like these are where physical experiences are taking place at these, these larger and larger fractals. And what you'll also notice is that there's, you know, I, I color-coded this to what I perceive as associated with mental and what do I associate with the physical. And so the pink or the magenta is kind of like mental or consciousness. And the, and the purple is that associated with the physical experience. And you'll see the L's. There's a flip-flopping of the L's. And you also see a, a spiral. Are you seeing it? Yeah. The spiral? Yep. I can't really see the spiral. So if I took that out, see this how spirals from tighter to wider? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Let me put that back. You see the other one? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so one's also referred to, like I refer to like that above is time and expressed as space. We, we, dimensionality requires space. And so it's the space and time, the interaction of space and time. And what I've come to recognize is that you think of the center point as a beginning of time. And as we ripple outward, it's what we would perceive as future. And so if I were to anchor a rope at the center point and then draw that rope, you know, pull it to the end, ending perimeter, each one of these, I probably, I, you can think of it as an incarnation. This is me experiencing these different episodes. They all exist at the same time. And as we shift, not only my individual incarnation, but we shift as a collective, we're going to shift both forward and backward. And this accounts for the Mandela. Why do things suddenly show up in our reality? Because the Mandela, all the Mandela is teaching us is that we're retroactively altering our perceived past. And we do so that by raising and shifting the dimension of the collective. You know, new things of, you know, from perceived ancient times are revealing themselves. Were they there? Were they not there? Were they hidden from us? Were they, you know, are they new discoveries? It's as our, our reality is constantly altering retroactively to adjust to where we are as a collective. Does that make sense? I mean, a little bit. I mean, this is stuff that I'm not very familiar with. So it's like, I'm curious to see sure. this, these images and, and your, you know, how you extrapolate this all. Um, I guess my question is like, you know, you've been studying this for a long time. You've gotten into symbolism and this, the architecture of language, like for, you know, for people that are interested in this, how do they like, like it's one thing for you to come on here and, and share and talk about your your studies over the last however many years. How can like someone watching this, I guess, take more ownership and be more curious to look to look into this or to look into the symbology of letters more? Yeah, I think the first step again is starting to view things differently. 
Um, you know, again, start for me with the letters. You know, looking at why why is the capital A shaped the way it is? Why is the B shaped the way it is? You know, the B is an easy one to explain. It's it's that circle with the horizontal line, and, we, and that creates dimensions, whether it's a horizontal or vertical. And when you split those dimensions up and stack them, you're showing the capital B. And what is that communicating? It's showing you mind over matter. It, it it's it's just learning to look at things a little bit differently than you were taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a, it's a gradual process. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, you know, like again, the books like, let me grab it real quick. You know, Renee Schwaller de Lubitz, Symbol and Symbolic. You know, it talks like the very, you know, intro talks about, again, the idea of hemispheres and, and the way your, your left side of your brain kind of interprets things versus your right and learning how to see things through that right, right hemisphere, through the pattern recognition, through the visual. It, it shifts how you perceive everything within your reality. And it's, you know, as you, you know, you work on doing that and, and through, you know, initially engaging in a ton of different material of, of uh, you know, other people, other, you know, incarnated beings that have has, had these experiences, there's a lot to learn from others. You don't yeah. have to go that route. There yeah. are those that have just done the inner work and through meditation come to these same conclusions. You know, I have, I have disengaged from, you know, the furious research that I did once because I, I just don't see it as necessary anymore. I've learned that my own mind is, is revealing things to me. You know, again, through dreams, through, through what, you know, what have you, I'm just, I'm picking up things all the time. And, you know, where my focus is, is where a lot of these revelations happen. And then I'll shift my focus to something else. And then I'll come back. And it's like, it's just a constant, you know, back and forth that yeah. enables the growth. Have you gone into Walter Russell's work? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I figured. I figured. Yeah. Yeah. Two, the two-way um, universe. Yeah, he is. It's super interesting. Again, the way he recognizes that everything, things expressed in our reality, you take water, like water is just a medium of, of, of carrying information. And, you know, you through your own conscious energy, you can change how that, that water expresses. And he's found through using vibrations of sound and, and, and different, you know, modalities of, of altering the chemical makeup of, of, you know, what is initially water or initially you know, a different element that we consider and suddenly it changes into something else. How do you, how do you account for that? Uh, other than the fact that this, we're in a playground, this is a sandbox and, it, and it's all driven through our mind, through our consciousness. And it's like, we have to understand that you're, you're not, you're not playing in this playground alone. And so we constantly overlap our own perspective with the perspective of others, the people that you're closer to, the people you're more entangled with. Mm-hmm. And so you might see something expressed in your reality and be like, I don't believe in that. And little do you know, your wife does, your kids do, your mom does, all these other people that you're entangled with perceive the reality in a certain way. And so if you're not caught, like consciously engaged with every single moment in your reality, you're actually giving, you're opening up the door for other people's expectations to then express. And so it, it's, it's important to recognize that. And that's why it's like, you know, I know this and why, aren't, why am I not seeing the results I want to see? Well, unless you're, you know, out in the, in the Himalayas alone as a, as a yogi or a monk, you know, f- completely untethered from every other, you know, other note of consciousness, the likelihood of you seeing some of these you know, perceived magical things that you would like to see expressed is probably smaller until the rest of the collective catches up. Hmm. One thing, one final thing, man, because you also go by uh, Palm Wondrous. <laughs> I think your podcast or something. Are, are those just your like initials with Wondrous after it? Correct. 
Yeah. And what was the inspiration behind that? <laughs> I mean, I know you mentioned Wondrous before about your experience. So then that, that made me think of that. Yeah. Well, and, and that's just it. I, I found myself in the, in the early goings of that awakening, just referring to everything in, in such a, you know, as wondrous. It, you know, it's just, it, everything was so incredible um, and still is. And I was just like, what can I, I, I didn't, I was apprehensive of, you know, really sharing on social networks and, and especially sharing my own name, which I was like, I don't know, again, I, I had to have that reflection on myself. Like, is that, is that fear driven? Like, what, what is the point of that? Um, and so, but initially, yeah, it was people were knowing me by Palm Wondrous. And I mean, obviously I shared my full name with you guys anyway. That's it, bro. Everyone's going to find out, man. Everybody, everyone you worked for, worked worth back in the advertising <laughs> exec days. It's out. Um, Sorry, everyone brother, knows Jerry now too. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we're here for the truth, man. It's never really come come up before, you know. Um, brother, dude, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, this is a very vast and detailed uh, study and subject, mm. and and you know, not I, I'd be not everyone's probably into this level of dissection when it comes to language, but you highlight you highlight just the importance of of cultivating more of right brain thinking and like how that's so important to connect to visuals to connect to symbols because you know otherwise i just feel like we've we've gone so left brained in our culture and our society and we've lost that magic you know that creation that art that just different way of thinking um and uh yeah man i mean this is this is fascinating to me whether i'm going to go down this rabbit hole you know as a 51 you know talking about human design investigating mm -hmm. this i don't know but i'm i'm curious and and it's so nice to just introduce you, man, and, and what you stand for and share your story, because we are. We are individual uh, representations of whatever that thing is, you know, and we're living our life as individuals. I mean, you know, we are separate, even if we are connected in some greater way. And to hear your story as an individual and to 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 hear about your experience is really cool, man. I'm happy that we connected. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Totally. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out, Pete. And guys, thank you so much for listening uh, to this side chat. We'll see you all next time. Take care. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, all Pete's links, including his his work, his podcast, and his offerings, will be in the brief just below this episode. If you're so interested in delving in further, we appreciate you listening. Peace. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward an evolution to a place where we can share our confusions. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with